Good evening. We are the Redemption Quartet from West Coast Baptist College. My name is Austin Fury. I'm from Ontario, Canada, and I serve on staff in the admissions team. Hello, my name is Faith Tam. I'm a junior from Canada studying biblical counseling. Good evening. My name is Ty Mormon. I'm a senior from Big Spring, Texas studying church ministries. Hello, my name is Jessica Azores. I'm a senior from Lancaster, California studying secondary education. And at the piano is Brother Jared Tam. He also serves on faculty at the college and teaches in the music department. I've heard it all my life, even had it memorized, but it was only words to me, red letters on a page, just something people say, till it brought me to my knees, those words in John 3.
have everybody here tonight. That's West Coast, and we're so glad to have them with us. Brother Dave uh, Young, you know already that he's here. So I was wondering how Austin's going to handle this. It says Redemption Trio. There's four of them. So either you can't read or you can't count. You were, either way, you were in trouble, right? <laughs> but uh, Austin wanted to say a few words. He interned here a couple years ago, you might remember. So, Austin, go ahead. Good to see everyone. Um, for those of the, those who I haven't met, my name is Austin Fury, and I got to intern here in the summer of 2021, and it absolutely changed my life. I've absolutely missed everybody in this church. And Don't blame us for that. No, no. <laughs> changed my life for the better is what I meant to say. And um, my role now, I serve on staff at West Coast Baptist College, and my job is to get tour groups like this around the country, get to the next place safely, promote our ministry, and just what God is doing out there at West Coast. Um, but I always love getting to come back to Southeast Baptist Tabernacle because it really does feel like home. It's a place where I'm comfortable, a place where people took care of me for a summer, kept me alive, and just made me feel welcome. So I'm thankful for you all. I miss you all, except for Brother Chestnut there at the back. <laughs> he understands. Um, but I think this is also my time really quickly just to remind you of our ministry, West Coast Baptist College in Lancaster, California. Um, I know people are familiar with our ministry, so just please stop by the table after if you have any questions for me or the team um, about our ministry. Of the, it's a ministry out of the local church there that's just simply training people to serve in the Lord's harvest, trying to see this world reach with the gospel of Jesus Christ. But I just wanted to say hello to everyone. I look forward to seeing everyone after the service and talking with you. Thank you so much for having us here. Appreciate it. Good to have you. Always is. Okay, let's see what else we have in the way of announcements. If it's your time, first time visiting with us, if you'd stop by the uh, the uh, welcome center out there, we have a gift for you. and want to welcome you officially. If you're joining online for the first time, well, uh, I'm sorry, sptnv.org/contact. Let us know you're out there. Always encourages us when we hear from folks like that. We have the revival going. You're here, so you obviously know that. But you might not know that we ate uh, a meal at six o'clock before this service, and we'll do that again tomorrow. Thursday and Friday, and we invite you to come out and join us for the meal. The reason we do that is so that you can say to somebody else, hey, I'll take you out to dinner, and then we'll go to the revival meeting, and, uh, and we'll feed them for you. It's always a great time. Teenagers will meet after this uh, for the Cola Wars, and so they're excited about going out there and sweating and bleeding, and you think I'm making that up, but somebody actually has an injury that uh, uh, they got their finger. They didn't want Pastor Andrew to feel alone uh, in having a finger splint, so now we've got a couple of them out there. Uh, there's a kids' club that we'll meet as soon as the song service is over, we'll dismiss, and the kids' club uh, goes upstairs with some of our interns, and so we're just looking forward to what God's doing in the revival, which brings us to the offering. Everything that comes in this week goes straight to Brother Dave and his family to keep them on the road doing what God's called them to do in the ministry of evangelism, and uh, it, is a, it is a much-needed ministry and harder to find one, it's harder to find evangelists. It is. They're coming fewer and further between. We're not raising up an army of evangelists. And secondly, uh, it's hard to find evangelists that you actually want to come back and hear a second time. And uh, Brother Dave's one of those. And so what a joy it is to have him with us. And I know he's been a blessing to you. So we encourage you to dig deep and let's just give to the ministry and uh, let God bless there. If you can't, uh, if you don't, didn't carry cash on you or whatever, you can write a check or you can go to sptnd.org slash giving. There's a drop-down. You can put Revival. Click on the Revival and give to the Revival, and everything that comes in through that uh, goes straight to Brother Dave. So let's have the men come forward, and we'll take up the uh, evening's offering. So I don't know. Do I trust Johnny to pray or not? Hmm. Would you pray and ask God's blessing on the offering and on the evening, please?
Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to You again tonight. We know Your power, Your Word is going through Brother Young. And Lord, I ask that everyone here get that fire in their heart. We can raise the roof in our church. And as we leave each night, as Brother Young said, that people can look at us and say, I want what they have. Because you want us to touch and reach out for everybody. And we thank you, Lord, for sending him here for this revival. We ask that you be with all of our pastors. And Pastor John, we know that you speak through him and we listen. And we thank you for giving him to us. We ask that you give each person here the desire to reach deep in their pocket so that Brother Young can travel around and give the same powerful words that he is giving to us from you. Thank you, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope that's your heart's prayer or your heart's truth, because uh, we're going to be singing about that in a moment. Uh, following the evening service, also, the uh, recharge class, Pastor Brett's class, is going to Ritter's, so see Pastor Brett about details for that. I meant, failed to mention that. We're going to sing two songs. You're going to stand and sing it out. I get to leave the singing tonight. My hope is Jesus. Sing it out as if this is your truth, all right? Sing it on that first verse. 
last verse, all right? 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I don't get a chance to preach this week, so this is it. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. You know, we stand before the bar, so to speak, and our works are tried. What we have built on the foundation of Jesus Christ, whether it's wood, hay, stubble, gold, silver, precious stones. Wood, hay, stubble, burns away. Gold, silver, precious stones. And we're all going to be tried, but we are tried. Here's the wonderful part. It's not tried on what's left when it's all done. Because when it's all done, it's the foundation of Jesus Christ that makes the difference. I am complete in Jesus Christ. Let's sing that for us first. Dear Savior, when before I walk, all Christ and love people said amen Amen. good singing you may be seated i appreciate it thank you kids you are dismissed i almost forgot i would have forgotten but the interns are actually doing their job how weird is that interns that do their job you paying attention austin (laughs) the kids are going to be dismissed here's what's going to happen west coast going to come back to a couple songs and as soon as they're done brother dave it's you right
Find 1 Peter chapter 3. And thank you, Trio. That was beautiful. 
and I like West Coast. A couple of my kids have gone there, three of them so far, and one enrolled. And uh, my older three found a wife there, a spouse there. Brother Fury did not. And uh, we gotta, we got to pray for that. God pray about that. Don't explain. We're just praying for you. But uh, God bless you. It's great to see you all tonight. Happy you're here. And uh, good to see several guests throughout the building. Brother Frank, good to see you. Snuck in there, Omi. Welcome. And uh, God bless all of you for being here tonight. You that are members, we're glad you're here. And if you're a guest, we're especially honored and thankful that you're here tonight. i got to show you all a shirt tonight. You ready, young man? Uh, this young man right here came in and said, I wore this shirt for you. So stand up right there, son. Show the crowd. You all see that? He's wearing a shirt that says Thrive. Doesn't that just sound spiritual? And uh, give that young man a round of applause right there. Now, that is the shirt of the hour. And I appreciate that. And then uh, let me just mention to you the book table again. Here's a new book on my table by Dr. James Dobson called Dads and Sons. And I got to tell you, this is just excellent. I uh, even read some in it this afternoon. Just uh, Timeless Wisdom, it's subtitled, and Reflections on Teaching, Guiding, Loving Your Son His Whole Life Long. Excellent stuff from Dr. Dobson. And then here's the three-part series that I haven't mentioned to you yet. Uh, Nancy DeMoss Wolgamuth wrote the book a long time ago called Lies Women Believe and the Truth That Sets Them Free. Now, ladies, if you've never read this, I haven't either. But my wife has and highly recommends it. And then here's the counterpart of that, Lies Young Women Believe and the Truth That Sets Them Free. And then uh, Nancy DeMoss, uh, who is now married, her husband Robert, has written another part in that series called Lies Men Believe and the Truth That Set Them Free. So hope you'll take advantage of the books. I believe that every child of God ought to read, and I believe we ought to read more than we do. So take advantage of that, and if we can be a blessing to you. I started to say again that Charity will be there, but no, she will not. She will be with the teenagers. And so I'll be there after the service. I can help you. Let me know so, and I'd be glad to do it. Did y'all notice that Pastor was looking good tonight? Did y'all notice that? Man, I am telling you, that three-piece suit, doesn't he look good? And uh, what in the world? I feel like I need to go home and change and pick up my game a little bit. Because, wow, is he looking good. Now, you think he's running for office or something. And if he was, I'd vote for him in this culture, wouldn't you? But uh, praise the Lord, Pastor, you look good tonight. First Peter chapter, one and verse, uh, ch- uh, chapter 3, rather, in verse 1. First Peter chapter 3, verse 1. Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, They also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives, while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear, whose adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of plating the hair or wearing of gold or putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart and that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. For after this man, in the old time, the holy women also, who trusted in God, adorned themselves, being in subjection to their own husbands, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are, as long as you do well and are not afraid with any amazement. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Finally... Be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another, love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called that ye should inherit a blessing. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and let his lips and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. 
Let him seek peace and ensue it. Now we'll stop reading right there. Y'all are familiar with these verses, aren't you? If you're a guest tonight, we've been doing a series in First Peter, and let's just review just a little bit. There are two themes that continue to show up throughout this book. The first theme is suffering, and the second theme is rejoicing in the midst of suffering. The book is actually written to encourage and instruct believers who have been going through intense persecution. They've suffered because they're believers. It is believed that they are dispersed throughout five different cities mentioned in First Peter, and they're there because of their Christianity. They can't live where they were. The intense persecution forced them to flee. So Peter is writing to them to say, look, think, things are hard right now. You're living in a tough time, in a tough world, in a tough hour, but God doesn't want you to just survive. Here's our key word for this week. God wants you to thrive in the midst of a world like ours. That's our key word. And we find out for the rest of us, we're not going through persecution necessarily, but Peter is also writing this book to encourage and instruct us about how to live in a world cursed by sin. How many of you are aware of the fact that you live in a world cursed by sin? Are you aware of that? That's why there's sickness and suffering and disease and death and difficulties and problems and trials and tragedies. And it's why all of us go through these valleys, these difficulties. It's because the world you live in is cursed by sin. This book is written to you to encourage you to thrive in a world like ours. So Peter taught us all day Sunday, we looked at this word, Peter taught us that there are things we have to know if we're going to thrive. How many of y'all were here for those? Were you here for those? So we learned that we've got to know who God is. We've got to know what we are and what we have. We've got to know what we're supposed to do. Last night, we started a new word. Not only do you have to know, you have to, how many of y'all remember? You have to grow. You have to grow. We found that in, in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 2, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. How many of y'all agree that growing is a good thing? How many of y'all agree with that? Aren't you glad when your crops grow? How many of y'all plant a garden this year? Anybody here? Aren't you glad when the crops grow? That's a good thing, isn't it? Aren't you glad when your kids grow? That's a good thing, isn't it? In doing what I do as an evangelist, I, I will go to a church, you know, and sometimes I go like every other year, or there's only one church that I primarily go to every year, and that's where my son Matthew is the youth pastor. That church, we do a revival there every year in the month of August. It's our yearly schedule. I just put it on the schedule. We go every year. But most of the time, I go to a church, and it can be a year or so, or two years, or sometimes three years, before I go back. Now, because of that, sometimes I'm a little startled when I see a child three years later. There's a lot of changes can happen in three years. I mean, you know what I mean by that? Like the last time I was here, I remember, Pastor Andrew, your little guys. And how many of y'all know his little guys? Y'all know his little guys? And uh, that, that oldest son of yours, I remember when he was just a tiny little thing, and now he's... He's 10 years old. You want to see parents get emotional? Just watch this. You know now he's halfway to leaving. Did you all know that? I mean, it's, it's coming. Isn't that, isn't that, aren't you glad you came to hear that tonight? And he's growing up. There's going to come a day. going to come a day. There's a good chance that I may come back to your church and have to look up at him. Uh, we, uh, it's a good thing. Isn't it? You want your kids to grow. Now, there are some kids that I like because I can see them eyeball to eyeball. I like pastor because of that. We're on the same level. And uh, I just, I appreciate that about him, because some people I have to look up to. I said to one of these teens, and I, when he came in, I said, how's the weather up there? And, uh, and, and he's a little bit up there. I had to look up at him. Growing's a good thing. You agree with that, don't you? It's good when our children grow, spiritually even. How I many of y'all know this verse? I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. 
How many of y'all know that verse? Don't you thank God for that? It's a true in our families and true in our homes. We want our children to do well. There's just something special about growing. There's a family in our church, and uh, they, uh, we, we knew when they came to Christ, when they got saved, and, and they're just a sweet couple, and they were really messed up. I'm, you know, really messed up. You hear their testimony, I'm like, what in the world? But they got saved. They came to our church, they got saved, and over the last four years, we've watched them grow. And I've just, just been delightful. We just, it's just such a joy to see this guy who, man, the life he lived was a messed up matter. He shouldn't have lived that way. Neither should his wife. But they got saved. And boy, they're growing in the Lord. I just absolutely love it. We wanted to have an impact in their family. And they wanted to meet with us because, you know, we teach on the family all the time. They got little ones. And so they wanted to get with us. So we invited them over to the house and, and we're going to spend the evening with them. And they didn't have a clue about raising kids. You know what I mean by that? And so I said to my children, now we're going to talk to their mom and dad, and while we talk to their mom and dad, your ministry is to entertain their children. And uh, they came about 5 o'clock, and we had dinner together, and then they stayed till midnight. Now, how many of y'all know that any child, after a certain hour, has got problems at, at that hour? How many of y'all know what I mean by that? But a child that's not doing real well at all at a certain hour can absolutely change your life. Y'all with me on that? And so when they finally did leave, our children were like, now look, mom and dad, please don't have them over ever again. Now, I know what they meant by that, but here's what's amazing about it. There was a couple who didn't know much at all, but now their family's on the right track. They've grown in the Lord. And here's where I'm going with that. You know what the Bible is trying to say to us when we get to chapter 3? If I'm going to thrive, there's another area where I need to grow. I need to grow at home. Did you catch that in chapter 3 here? So we learned yesterday, I've got to grow in, uh, what was that first one? Uh, he tells us over here that we are supposed to grow, and, and we got honor in there, and we got honesty in there, and we got holiness in there. That's what we learned yesterday. Tonight, let's just learn one more truth on this growing. Peter says, you want to thrive? You want to thrive? In a world like ours, here's how you thrive. You've got to grow at home. And there's at least three lessons he teaches us here about growing at home. The first one is this. We have to approach marriage differently than the rest of the world. How many of y'all can see that in the text? Doesn't he say that? You've got to approach marriage differently. Now, let's just poll the crowd tonight. How many of you all are, all, how many of you all are married? Let me see here. And, of course, that won't be you. But uh, how many of you all are married? Let me see here. Raise your hand good night if you're married. Raise your hand good night. And I'm sorry. I, I, that's terrible, isn't it? You, you forgive me? No. Okay. Well, now, now we got that out of the way. Um, let me just ask, how many of y'all are not married? Let me see your hands. You're not married. And there's quite a few of you not married. But how many of y'all agree that marriage is of God? How many of y'all agree with that? And God is pro-marriage. Y'all agree with that? God is pro-marriage. Marriage is a good thing. How many of y'all believe that? The Bible says uh, uh, things like this. The Bible says the, uh, the man that finds a wife. Remember that? Uh, he that findeth a wife finds what? A good thing. He that finds a wife is blessed of the Lord. So what you find is God's pro-marriage. And how many of you know what marriage is? How many of you know what marriage is? You know, marriage is one man, one woman, for how long? For one life. That's God's plan. Now, do all marriages happen that way? No. We live in a sin-cursed world, don't we? We have troubles, and we have relationship issues, and sometimes sin, and marriages can come to an end. I'm aware of that, but God's desire, God's intention, God's plan is that we get married. Teenagers, listen, someday, someday you might get married, and I recommend it. Now, not tomorrow, uh, but I recommend it. Give it some time. Somebody's going to be old enough to get married. 
and uh, don't play the dating game. Let me, just, let me just park there and talk to you teens. Don't play the dating game. If you're 13, you don't need a girlfriend. For crying out loud, you can't even make your bed yet. And so you don't need a girlfriend if you're 13. You know, give it a few years so you're old enough and you know you can work. And, and, and there's a lot of things got to happen before you're ready to get married. But I recommend it. But when you get married, have a Christian wedding. And when you say, I do, make it the heart's, your heart's desire. When you say, I do, I plan to be married the rest of my life to this person right here. That's God's plan, isn't it? My daddy, my daddy said it like this when we were kids. My dad said this one day. He said, now look, kids, if your mom ever leaves me, I want you to know something. If your mom ever leaves me, I'm going with her. <laughs> now, I know what he meant by that. That was just kind of a silly thing to say. But dad wanted us to know he was pro-marriage, and his goal was for the marriage to last. And in just a, a short time, my parents will be celebrating 60 years. So they've hung in there. They've made it last. They, they, they're not like Bethlehem's parents. They were, our parents were different. So not, you know, everybody does it differently. Her parents and my parents are very different. Her parents are Yankees. My parents are not. There's a difference in that, isn't there? And so, so there's, but my parents hung in there and, and almost 60 years. That's God's plan. So what the Bible is saying right here is, look, you want to thrive at home, you've got to approach marriage differently. There's a ton I could preach here. You know that, don't you? But I could sum it up like this. You know what he says to you wives? Now he says, wives, if you want to thrive at home, you've got to dress up spiritually. You've got to dress up spiritually. That's really what he's saying here in this text. If you could sum it up in one sentence, ladies, in your marriage, dress up spiritually. Look at that third verse. Whose adorning, he said, let it not be the outward adorning of plating the hair and wearing of gold or of putting on of apparel. When I was a kid, I remember being in a service one time, we were raised holiness. You know what I mean by that? We didn't do nothing. We didn't have a TV. We didn't go to movies. My mom didn't wear jewelry. And, and I heard a preacher one time preach that the reason women weren't supposed to wear jewelry was because of this verse. Jewelry. You weren't supposed to wear jewelry. Because the Bible says a woman should not wear a gold. But as a kid, I was reading in this verse, and it dawned on me, wait a minute, that can't be what it's saying. Because it also says she shouldn't put on apparel here. <laughs> now, I wasn't born yesterday, but there's some problem there. There's a problem there. Y'all with me? So obviously this doesn't mean you can't dress up. It doesn't mean you can't wear jewelry. It doesn't mean you can't do your hair. What it means is there's something bigger than that. That's what he's saying here. He says instead in verse 4, don't get so focused on looking good outwardly that you miss the fact that dressing up spiritually is more important than dressing up physically. Do you see what he's saying there? So how you want to approach marriage differently is you've got to dress up spiritually. And he says things like this. Well, be in subjection. That's in verse 1. Uh, be in subjection. That's just the Bible way of saying uh, the man God put in your life, if you got to make this marriage work, then you've got to be aware of him and let him be the leader and you've got to work to make that happen and you've got to be careful how you live so that you don't undermine God's plan for your marriage. You've got to be in subjection. He says here you've got to be spiritual. You've got to be spiritual. Let Make sure that there's a hidden man in your heart that's a lot more powerful and spiritual than anything else. You've got to adorn yourself, he says in verse 5. So you've got to be spiritual. You've got to be in subjection. You've got to be spiritual. He even gives an indication here. You've got to be sweet, doesn't he? He said, make sure you wear the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit. In the culture we live in where feminism is very powerful... In the, in the Christian world, we can't live like that because the world is attacking marriage. The world is attacking Christianity. That's the world system. But God has a better plan. You've got you to gotta approach marriage differently if you're going to thrive in a world like ours. You see what Peter's trying? He's not trying to beat you ladies up. He's trying to tell you how to thrive. How do you win? 
He says, here's how you do it. You've got you to approach marriage differently. So he says, wives, you dress up spiritually. Husbands, he's even got a message for you. He tells the wives, dress up spiritually. He tells you, husbands, dwell at home spiritually. Don't you like verse 7, husbands? Don't you like verse 7? He says, dwell with your wife according to knowledge, giving honor unto her as unto the weaker vessel. You've got to dwell with your wife according to knowledge. Aren't you glad the Bible makes it that easy? All you've got to do to succeed as a husband is understand your wife. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that a blessing? Whoa, isn't that good? I saw a book at Barnes & Noble one time. You ever been to Barnes & Noble? I literally saw this. I'm not making this up. I saw a book at Barnes & Noble that thick entitled, Everything Men Know About Women. It was $3.99 on sale. I thought, I'm going to buy that. I was curious. I picked it up. It was entirely blank. Every page in it did everything on it. And I thought, now somebody has a sense of humor, don't they? But can I tell you something, my dear friend? Brothers, God didn't call me and you to understand women. He called us to understand our wives. I don't have to understand all you ladies, but I do have to understand her. And I'm supposed to be real good at that because I've got to dwell with her according to knowledge. I've got to live differently. In our world today, we're so distracted and we run all different directions and we've got feminism on the one hand and every other ism on the other hand. And yet the Bible says, wait a minute, the world is falling apart. Don't live the way they're living. Don't you want to thrive and have God's blessings and favor? Then here's the way to do it. Grow at home. You've got to approach marriage differently than the world around us. Husbands, he says, you've got to be knowing and you've got to be giving. You've got to know your wife, and you've got to give her honor. Think about all that he's saying right here. How, how's your all's marriage tonight? Are you thriving in it? I mean, are you madly in love? Are you working at this thing called marriage? Are you approaching it spiritually? You that are married, are you thriving in, in your relationship? Ladies, are you aware of him? The Bible says sometimes your husband's not right. Don't nag him about it. Don't raise your voice and get mad. Don't, don't, don't. No, he says what you do. He said you respond to that with a meek and quiet spirit. Just keep your place. The word, my, my wife defines the word, and I've always liked her definition. She says this means to keep your seed. means you don't know, God, this is what you call me to do. And I can't change my husband, but I can be what I'm supposed to be. And I can respond to him the way a Christian ought to respond to a husband. And so God, no matter what he does, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be what I'm supposed to be. I'm going to be spiritual. Ladies, be godly in your marriage. Walk with God. Have a sweet spirit. Be gentle, be easy to get along with, have a meek and quiet spirit. Doesn't that sound absolutely ridiculous based on the world we live in? And yet Peter's trying to tell us how to thrive. The world we live in is always wrong, just about, just about almost everything. Are you with me on that or not? There's a better way to live. So the Bible says, here's how you make a marriage happy and work, ladies. You've got to do your part. You've got to be spiritual. You've got to be in subjection. That's not a word that means, you know, you've got to be mealy and you can't have an opinion. No, it doesn't mean that at all. It just means God's called your husband to be a leader in your home, so you've got to pick it up and let him do it. Sometimes you've got to step back and say, all right, honey, uh, this is what we need, and I'm just going to wait for you to figure it out. How many of you all know, ladies, sometimes it takes him a long time to figure it out? But you know why God designed that? Because God didn't want him to respond off the cuff. God wants him to slow down. God wants him to slow down. God made a man's mind to move slower than yours, ladies. And it's the truth. My wife just cracks me up. Her brain just goes. And I'm just all over the place. She just, she just, she just go out with her mom. She go out with her mom. They love to shop. That's a, a dentist family trait. They, the ladies love to shop. And Bethy go out shopping with her mom. They'd always go out to eat. They'd be out till midnight. And, uh, and then she'd come home and, 
and, and she could tell me what they talked about at the table. I mean, every detail. Here's what she said. Here's what I said. Here's what she said. Here's what I said. And then she could talk about the people beside them at other tables we're talking about. And, 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 and I, you know, I could spend a whole day with my family and my wife would say, you know, what they talk about? And I'm like, you know, I think they're fine. But see, our differences, that's not something to look down on. God designed us to be different. And ladies, the way you respond to your husband can help you to thrive at home is what Peter is saying here. Aren't you glad this is in here? We can have, we can have revival in our generation and have God's favor, but you've got to thrive at home. You've got to approach marriage differently. And husbands, don't, don't, don't let the world tell you how to be a husband. The Bible says right here, you've got to work at this. You've got to dwell with her according to knowledge and give her honor. Honor your wife. In our family, I always try to stand at the table when Bethley comes to be seated. Always taught my boys to do that. Stand for your mom, stand for your mom, stand for your mom. And I'll get her, get her seat, stand for your mom. Before you leave the table, we would say things like, you know, thank you, mom, for the meal, and I love you. What? Because we're learning honor. The reason you'll see a young man, you ever notice a young man wanting to marry a girl? Have you ever seen somebody like that? He's dating a girl and he's wanting to marry her. He'll have manners that he knew not of. Is that right? My goodness, he'll dress up and get the door for her and buy her flowers and write her poetry. Well, what the Bible is trying to say right here, guys, don't ever stop honoring your wife. Keep on loving her. Keep on getting to know her. Keep on celebrating her. Stand for her at the table. Get the door for her at the car. She loves to shop. Give her $500 and send her. Don't you write that down, baby. Don't you write that down. I didn't mean that exactly. Maybe take her shopping. If she likes to eat out fancy, take her out somewhere nice occasionally. You see, you've got to invest in a marriage. You've got to work at it. You've got to approach marriage differently. You know what else he tells us here? How am I going to thrive at home? I've got to approach marriage differently. You ought to meditate on these verses. You ought to master these verses. You ought to work on them. Ladies, you've got to work at having the right relationship to your husband. Husband, the right relationship to your wife. You've got to work at it. Approach marriage differently. And notice number two, we've got to serve God together. Did you catch the end of verse 7? Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel. And then notice he says two things here. As being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. And, and what he's reminding us here is we serve God together. What's the goal in verse 1, ladies? You, did you notice? What's the goal of verse 1? Why should a husband respond the way Peter is suggesting here? Because the goal is to win your husband. Wives, you've got to win your husband. You've got to win him. The Bible says that here. That the wife has got to win her husband. You've got to win him. What he's saying in verse 7 is, husbands, you've got to wow your wife. Ladies, you've got to win him. Husbands, you've got to wow her. And, and, and then you serve God together in the midst of that. You're heirs together of the grace of life. What in the world does that mean? The Bible says all of you that are married, you're heirs together of the grace of life. I think it has at least two meanings and probably a little of both. In the first place, it means that both of you are saved by grace. You're heirs together of the grace of life. Both of you are saved the same way. Don't, don't misunderstand that when God says, husbands, here's your role. Wives, here's your role. Husbands, this is what I want you to do in a marriage. Wives, this is what I want you to do in a marriage. Don't misunderstand the fact God's not putting a hierarchy there and saying men are better than women or women are better than men. He's not saying that at all. He's reminding us here at the end that we all get saved the same way. 
We're all just sinners. We're all, we're all without Christ. And yet, because Jesus died for our sins and was buried and was raised from the dead, when men or women, husbands or wives, come to Jesus on that basis, we all get saved the same way. We are heirs together of the grace of life. Can I just stop here a moment and ask you a question? Have you been saved the Bible way? Do, do you know about that? The Bible here is talking to husbands and wives about being heirs together of the grace of life. You know what the Bible says about all of us? We're sinners. We can't save ourselves. The Bible says, in fact, that we're dead in sins. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says, all we like sheep have gone astray. Nobody goes to heaven because they're a husband or a wife or a good husband or a good wife or a good son or a good daughter or a good mom or a good dad or a good citizen. No, we're all just sinners and all of us are separated from God and, and, and under the judgment of God. And literally, and I say it gently, but it's true, we're on the road to hell. We've got to die and face God, the Bible says. You're aware that you've got to die, don't you? Are you? Aren't you aware of that? And someday we stand before God. And to stand before God as a sinner means we're judged by God and have no hope of heaven at all for all of eternity. But thank God Jesus died for our sins. And the message of Christianity is that Jesus died for our sins and was buried and was raised from the dead so we can have life. He says we're heirs together of the grace of life. Well, how do you get that life? You've got to be born again. You've got to come to a place in your life that you agree with God. I'm a sinner and I can't get myself to heaven and I don't even know where it is. God, help! And when you come to God on that basis, God will say to you, Look, my son Jesus already died for your sins and was buried and was raised from the dead. Are you willing to trust Him to take away your sins? Are you willing to trust Him to give you eternal life? Are you willing to turn to Him so He can take away your sins? Are you willing to, to turn to Him so you can have eternal life? Nobody goes to heaven because they go to church. Is that right or wrong? It's right, isn't it? You don't go to heaven because you're a good person. You've got to be born again. We're heirs together of the grace of life. But that's not all that that, word, that, that little statement means. It does mean that we are saved the same way. Both of us are saved by grace. A husband and a wife and me and you. We're all saved by grace. But it also means this, uh, in a marriage, heirs together the grace of life is actually a suggestion about children. What happens in a marriage? Well, you have children. We're heirs together of the grace of life. How many of y'all believe in children, do you? How many of y'all believe this? How many of y'all believe this? Do y'all believe that children are a heritage of the Lord? Do y'all believe that? That having children is a good thing? Teenagers, you are growing up in a world that ridicules the idea of getting married and staying married, and raising a family. But I'm here to tell you tonight, young people all over this room, listen to me. Marriage is wonderful. It's in the plan of God, and the plan of marriage is that you get married, have a great marriage, live with your best friend, and enjoy being married, and while you're at it, have a family and raise a family for God. That's God's plan. Celebrate that. Children are a heritage of the Lord. You've read this, haven't you? I like this verse. The Bible says, happy is the man whose quiver is full. Happy is the man whose quiver is full. He's about children there. Now, what's a full quiver? One guy said to me, one. You all know our Matthew. Our Matthew was number three. And he was also our strong-willed child. Matthew was number three. He was strong-willed. And he was the hardest one. He was the hardest one. I read somewhere that boys are, are easier to raise, harder to keep alive. And, and Matthew was kind of that. He was hard to keep alive. He was a tough kid, and right in the middle of training him in his hard, stubborn, 
You know, I mean, he was strong-willed. He was number three. And someone said to us one day, for crying out loud, how many kids you all want? They said two. <laughs> and I kind of meant it at the time. Praise God, we won. He turned out pretty well. But here's the idea. The Bible says, happy is the man whose quiver is full. It's a glorious thing to be an heir together of the grace of life, to be saved on your way to heaven in your marriage and in your family, and to have a family to raise for God. That's a glorious thing. Y'all are pro-family, aren't you? You've got to raise them for God. You're heirs together of the grace of life. You, you've got you to serve God together, which means you get married, and you work at your marriage, and you raise a family for God. That's serving God together. Takes a lot of work, doesn't it, moms and dads? A lot of prayer. A lot of training. How many parents know about that? A lot of talking. And moms and dads be encouraged. God, God, God's on your side. You're heirs together the grace of life. Happy is the man whose quiver is full. I love that. I suppose it does mean the more kids you have, the happier you'll be. And some of you need some kids. And maybe a few more. It's been a while since some of you had the joy of the Lord in your life. Maybe a few kids that help you. Get married and have a family. Somebody said one time, said, you know what that verse means is the more you have, the more delirious you are. And I suppose there might be some truth to that, but there's not a thing wrong with having a family. And you ought to have a family, and you ought to raise them for God. Wouldn't hurt to have three or four or five, maybe. At least, at least three or four, maybe five. I mean, if you want to beat the Duggars, have at it. And I think they have 20. Go for 21. More than one way to grow a church. Help me out here, church family. Either bring one or have one. Or bring one and have two. I mean, we could grow the church, couldn't we? Let's see if family's awesome. How many of y'all have children? Let me see your head. How many of y'all have children? Isn't it wonderful to have children? So, so work on that. Train your children. Take time to train them. Slow down, moms and dads. You've got to win at home. You want to thrive in this culture? Well, make sure you're thriving at home. Train those children. Don't be discouraged. Like we were joking about their little girl last night. She's such a cutie. And, and uh, you know, when, when your kids are young, you think, are we ever going to survive? But how many old parents that are getting older are aware of this, right? Boy, it flies, doesn't it? You come to the other end, you look back, and you think, what in the world happened? But can I remind you tonight? You that are raising children, pick it up. It's flying. God's on your side. So train, teach, pray, work. Succeed at home. You've got to slow down. Turn the TV off and talk. Get your phone. Put it down. And talk with your kids. Train them. It takes a lot of work to raise a kid. We're so hard on this generation. We'll say things like this. My word, this, this generation can't do nothing. Don't know how to cook. Can't drive a standard. But you know what? We shouldn't be hard on this generation. You know why? You know why this generation can't cook? Nobody took the time to train them. You know why a generation can't drive a standard? Nobody taught them. I could drive a standard, but it wasn't because I was brilliant. It wasn't because I woke up one morning with a, oh, that's how you do it. No. I had a daddy who put me in the front seat of a truck. Said, that's a clutch. That's a brake. That's an accelerator. That's first gear. Put that baby in first gear and uh, let off on that clutch. And, and give it fuel, and I'm telling you to go, son. Five clutches later, I was driving pretty good. <laughs> Y'all identify with that? You know what I mean by that? But I was, I, I was taught. I was in dad, you've got to teach and train. 
Why? Because God wants you to thrive at home. In this messed up world, what do we do? We've got to thrive at home. Here's a great verse for you. And I'm about out of time and I need to close tonight and get our kids to their youth rally. Can I, can I just read you something I read recently that just, I thought, what in the world? This is amazing. Let me see if I can just find it real quick. I didn't mark it. And see if I can find it here. Uh, let me just read to you. Just listen. Jeremiah 29. Jeremiah 29 and verse 4. God is speaking to those who are living in Babylon because they're in captivity because of the fact that they, they were carried away captives because they, they turned away from God. And those believers who are now living in Babylon, here's the message God sent to them through Jeremiah. He said, Build ye houses and dwell in them. Plant gardens and eat the fruit of them. Take ye wives and beget sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands, that they may bear sons and daughters, that she may be increased there in Babylon and not diminished. And seek the peace of the city, whether I've caused you to be carried away captives. And pray unto the Lord for the city, for in the peace thereof shall ye have peace. Brothers and sisters, what a truth for our generation. How do you live in a world like ours where right is called wrong and wrong is called right? Right is ridiculed and wrong is celebrated. How do you survive in a world like ours? How do you thrive in a world like this? Well, Jeremiah said to the folks who were living in Babylon, a culture that was far worse than the culture in which you and I live. Jeremiah said to them, Hey, i got a little message for y'all, all you believers now that live in Babylon because you've been sold into captivity. i got a message for you down there. And here's what he said I want you to do. You go down there and build a house and get married and have children and, and help your grandkids to get married and, and train them to do what's right and to walk with God and, and plant a garden and live down there. In fact, he said, run for office. Pray for the peace of your city and work for the peace of your city because the, the more peace there is in your city, the more peace you're going to have. He said what you've got to do is you've got to win in the family and win in the society so you can thrive in Babylon. Do you all hear what he's saying tonight? What a message for me and you. What are we going to do in this messed up world? Well, let's not spend our, spend our time staring at Fox News and go to bed discouraged and down and frustrated and bothered and uptight because the world is a mess. Let's thrive at home. Let's win our children. Let's have great marriages. Let's celebrate the family and raise them. We're heirs together of the grace. We've got to serve God together as a family. And he even says here, do all this. In, in verse Peter, he said, so that your prayers aren't hindered. We could learn from that, couldn't we? That we ought to pray together, pray together, pray together, pray together. If you're married, do you ever pray together? Get at it. Pray together. Don't let your prayers get hindered. Work at your marriage. Work at your family. And get your prayers answered. What a lesson for me and you. You ever pray together as a couple? You ever pray together as a couple? When's the last time you prayed with your kid? You pray as a family? You have a family altar? Shame on our generation. We know better. We're too busy. Pray. Don't let your prayers be hindered. Thrive at home. I got one more truth for you. And, and I promise you, you've got to grow at home. That's the point. You've got to grow at home. Y'all with me or not? You've got to thrive at home, grow at home. And so here's what Peter's trying to say to us tonight. He's saying here to us, look, you've got to approach marriage differently. I could preach on that all night. We've got to serve God together. I could preach on that a long time. But what he says at the end here is that we've got to respond to each other wisely. You see that in verse 8? Finally, he said, now look, if you're going to thrive at home, if you're going to grow at home, he said, look, you've got you to have compassion on one of another. Do you see that in verse 8? We've got to respond. We've got to be compassionate with unity and full of love and full of pity. 
We've got to be courteous to each other. Do you say things like, yes, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, sir, no, sir, thank you, and I appreciate you, and I love you. Are you courteous to each other? I respect you. You're working at your marriage with your tongue. He's talking about our tongues here. Be of one mind, having compassion. Love and be pitiful. Be full of pity is what that word means. Be courteous. Don't render evil for evil. Isn't that our culture? Does your husband ever get up on the wrong side of bed? Thank you. I saw a bumper sticker that said, Sometimes I wake up grouchy. In small print it said, Sometimes I let him sleep in. Well, the Bible says... That's no way for a Christian to be. Y'all with me on that? We're to, we're to respond to each other wisely. We're not to render evil for evil or railing for railing. Instead, we're to bless each other. How often do y'all say, I love you, each other? That's thriving at home. I love you. Do you say that to each other? Kids, do you say it to your siblings? Aren't you Christians? Do you say it to your mom, your dad? Moms and dads, do you say it to each other? Do you say it to your kid? I love you. One guy said to me, I wasn't raised that way. I said, well, for crying out loud, build a stinking bridge and get over it. Is that fair? You can change how you were raised. I said, we ought to love each other at home. One guy said, hold on a minute, I'm German. Literally said, I'm German. I said, buddy, I don't care if you're a Martian. If you're a child of God, how you respond to each other matters. Is that fair? That's how you thrive at home. We've got to be courteous. We've got to be caring. You don't destroy each other and tear each other down. We bless each other. You say things like this, sweetheart, you're still the most beautiful lady I've ever laid eyes on. Say that to your spouse occasionally, maybe every day. Ladies, say to your husband, honey, you the man. He'll believe you. That's how God made him. Bethany says to me, honey, you the man. I'm like, well, you know, come to think of it. You're not wrong. I never argue with a brilliant woman. Are y'all with me on that? We're crying out loud. See, bless each other. That's what he's saying here. Live differently at home. Don't destroy. Don't tear down. Bless each other. And then be kind. He says, let him refrain his tongue from evil. Don't tear each other down. Don't rip on each other. Don't raise your voice at each other in the family. Be loving and kind and gentle and talk and build each other and strengthen each other and love on each other. God wants us to grow. And if we're going to thrive in this generation, we've got to grow in holiness and we've got to grow in honesty and we've got to grow in honor. That was last night. And I wanted to add one more to it tonight. You've got to grow at home. And Peter addresses that right smack dab in the middle of this epistle. You've got to grow at home. Two things and I'm done. How's your home tonight? What step could you take at your home and make it better? Do you remember Pastor Sunday morning? Pastor Sunday morning said we ought to take one step this week spiritually. At least one. Well, let's add that to our homes. Can we add it to our homes? What step could I take at my home that would make it a happier, thriving place spiritually? Well, then let's take it. One more thing to ask you. Do you know for sure whether or not you've been saved through Jesus? Born again. I preach primarily to the church tonight. But Peter is talking about something called Christianity here. If you're going to be a Christian and live differently than this world, you've got to know Jesus. 
He's the Savior of the world. He died for our sins. If tonight you would turn to Him, believe on Him, call on Him, I promise you, He will take away all of your sins and give you everlasting life. He's a wonderful Savior. Do you know Him? I invite you to know Him tonight. We're going to have an invitation tonight. How many of y'all know what an invitation is? An invitation is a time for prayer. Here's how we're going to do it. My sweetheart's going to go to the piano and play an invitation hymn. If you don't know you're going to heaven, but you'd like to know, Pastor and I are going to be here at the front. It would be our delight and our joy to have order prayer with you. This is a time for prayer. If you've got a problem in your family, your marriage, your situation, it could be tonight that there's somebody here, and here's what you're thinking. That's nice, Brother Dave, but I need a miracle. You know what I tell you tonight? God is able to do miracles. So if you'd like me and Pastor to pray with you about a situation where you feel like you need a miracle in your home, come on and meet us tonight at the front while my wife plays the piano in a moment. We'd be happy to pray with you about any situation involving your home, your family, your children, your grandchildren. Let us pray with you about it. Let's believe God together and pray about it. And the rest of you, couldn't all of us, couldn't all of us pray about something in our homes and in our lives to make our families more like Jesus? While Bethley plays, either pray at your seat or make an altar. It might mean you need to kneel tonight. This is an invitation. You let God work in your heart. Fair enough? Sweetheart, you come play for us, will you? Let's stand together with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Pastor's going to join me at the front. If you'd like to pray on your knees, you can step out and come right now. If you'd like to just pray at your seat, you could be seated or you can raise your hands in prayer. But all of us are going to prayer. Bethany's going to play and Pastor and I are here. If we can pray with you about knowing you're going to heaven... Just slip right here and let us do it. We're all praying, so nobody will even know you're coming. But we'll pray with you. Pastor's right in front of me. And if we can pray with you about your family, you come let us pray with you. You need prayer about your family, we'll pray with you. Let's all pray together. Let's all seek the Lord. would remind you tonight if you're married at least make a decision tonight that you're going to start praying together would you make a decision tonight we're going to start praying together a few moments every day can I challenge you during this invitation just to lean over and tell your wife or your husband let's work at that 
let's, 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 let's work at that. If you don't even know where to start, see me and Pastor, and we'll just give you some practical advice. Let's thrive at home. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus. Can I just say this to you, and Pastor O'Connor? Listen, dear friends. If tonight you feel discouraged because of what I preached, a situation, it's not your choosing, it's not what you want, but your heart's heavy and you just feel, what in the world? Don't, don't leave discouraged tonight. God knows exactly what's going on in your marriage, your family, and He cares. He loves you so much. And if we can encourage you, pray with you, help you, I'll be at the table. I'm Dave. My sweetheart is Bethley. Just let us pray with you, Pastor. Let us pray with you if we can. God is a good God, isn't he? And he cares, doesn't he? And so let him care for you. Thank you for listening to the Word of God tonight. Pastor's going to dismiss us. Amen. Thank you, Brother Dave. Wow, what a uh, great night this is tonight. I love you. I love you, Mom. <laughs> I want you to know. I don't say that publicly that often. But anyway, um, wow, what a joy it is. So the uh, teenagers are going to go outside and sweat and bleed for a little bit, and uh, the uh, recharge class is going to go have ice cream. Which one do you want to go with? <laughs> I'm going to go with the teenagers, but it is a great day. Brother Frank Finney, would you step up here, please, pastor of the New Life Baptist Church in Franklin? It's also good to have an evangelist. I should say that because we're looking for good evangelist Andrew Henry with us, so good to have you with us. But if you'd uh, dismiss the word of prayer, I'd really appreciate it. Thanks for coming. God bless you. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your love for the home and for the opportunity tonight again to hear your word declared. Help us to go from here, putting this into practice. And Lord, where the help is needed, we know that your word has answers. And Lord, I pray that there would be help given after the service tonight. Help us to go from here with your power to live out gospel truth in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. <laughs>